You are listening to Subtle Disruptors Melbourne. This is the first series of the podcast, Subtle Disruptors, telling the stories of those who are quietly having an amazing positive impact on their city and the world. Then we really had realised that there was great healing in the creativity and the making. There was therapy in there that it was more than just making. The process of it was deep and there was great connection in the gathering. Connection, creation, collaboration and community. These have been common words throughout this first season of Subtle Disruptors and could in fact sum up the Subtle Disruptors of Melbourne. This week's guest has drawn upon all these things to create a place of calm and creativity where local makers can come together to learn, to meet like-minded people, to be heard and to also sell what they make. I'm Adam Murray and thanks for joining me as I talk with Christina Douglas on the subtle disruption of connection through making. Christina, in your, well, let's not talk about where we are, I'll ask you where we are, where are we sitting? We're sitting inside Mabel, my vintage caravan, so Mabel's um, a Viscount Ambassador, it's an Australian caravan from the 1960s, and um, we came across Mabel, I was looking for a caravan to turn into a craft room. Um, and I had got three sons, so I was looking for a bit of a girl cave escape, and we had room in our backyard. Um, and I was looking on the internet for caravans and found one in England. Gorgeous, so cute. Caravans in England are the cutest. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so I was going to ship it over, and you know, the, it, it came all decorated, and I was completely carried away, and shipping it over was like 3,800 pounds or something. Um, so I didn't, and <laughs> and my sister, when I was moaning about it to her on the phone, she said, oh, you could so do that yourself, just look for an Australian caravan. So the challenge was to find one that was cute, and we we came across Mabel, and she was in really good condition. She's small, uh, so just two beds and um, a kitchen, and that was all I needed, a table and some space to put my crafts and I could go into my back garden, decorate the caravan, put polka dots everywhere, which my boys weren't thanking me for inside. (laughs) (laughs) And um, yeah, and she became, and we called her Mabel because that's the name of my nana. And she became a really nice space. On a sunny day, the boys would be outside jumping on the trampoline and I'd be inside Mabel the caravan, um, just feeling recharged. It was a really, really nice space for about a year. Yeah. And it still is a nice space, but yeah, it's evolved into now a small business. So how did you go from the leap, from it being a, um, I guess, a bit of a retreat from the mm. chaos of the boys in mm. the house and the backyard to, yeah, to it being a business? Well, that really started with my friend's little daughters. And every time they came over to visit and play, they'd say, can we go in the caravan and make something? And I, okay, sure. And then I was just in there all the time with them. So I thought, okay. I'll harness this once a month. We'll open up the caravan and people can come in and make stuff. Yeah. So um, I found quick crafts to make that were, that had, you know, good impact. We don't just do feathers and concertina fans in here. You know, they're <laughs> nice crafts. Yeah. Um, and children started to spread the word. And, and then my, a friend of mine asked me if she could have a birthday party for her daughter. So I said, okay, we'll give that a try. And it was great. You can fit about eight or 10 children in here. 
um, little making stuff and you know the caravan factor was cute so then I let it develop into a web page and a sort of small weekend hobby business so we live on a corner and I would open up the gates and have you know so it, it wasn't completely weird to have a birthday party in my backyard but it, it sounds it yeah. um, and you'd come in through the back we had big deck so the party table was there use the caravan for the craft and um, that that was so that this was September 2013 we got the caravan probably had our first birthday party in April 2014 and um, that so that went on for another year before we then moved to the back of a shop which is where we are now so that was in August 2015. So you're a teacher as well are you an art teacher or no you, no no I teach religious education yeah <laughs> um, at um, Kilvington Grammar School so yeah. so I have been a teacher there doing that job for about 15 years and um, I teach prep to six it's pretty crafty RE lessons. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but we have a lot of faiths at, at school. So it's it's um lots of character based, values based and yeah. world religion based. Yeah. Mm. Just before we get to where the caravan is now, like what I mean, what did you enjoy doing when you used to come here by yourself before you turned it into a party place? Yeah, well, it was the the craft. I do like making stuff, so it was being creative. But then there was also a Saturday afternoon that I remember we had a funeral for a friend of mine and uh, she, you know, had passed away from cancer and she was only 36. So it was it was pretty confronting. And I remember feeling devastated that afternoon after the funeral, obviously just really exhausted. Um, and I came into the caravan and ate three Anzac biscuits and curled up under a rug and fell asleep. And that day I remember thinking, oh, this caravan's special. This caravan mm. is more, it's like a recharging place. I felt like I'd been hugged by my nana. You know, she hasn't been alive for 25 years. Yeah. Um, but it's, so it, it must be the creativity and just that it's a small space. Yeah. Yeah. Mabel lives on. Yeah, yeah. she does. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she does. She'd be thrilled. She'd yeah. just think this is so funny and and wonderful at the same time yeah mm. what were you noticing about the kids as well when they used to come into this space was there you know there's a lots of different places to go for parties there are um, yeah I think they like the cubby house factor of the caravan and as the, for the parents it's completely nostalgic so mm. the kids don't get that the little keys in the wardrobe doors and even the um, veneer on the wardrobe doors is just like their mum used to have when she had a wardrobe when she was a little girl. Yeah. The laminate, you know, <laughs> bench tops with the little stars in them. Yeah. They don't get that that was completely common in the 1960s, but the parents love it. And that, that like that's where they, they completely go back to those memories. And... Um, I have people now, they'll walk through the shop and they'll see the caravan and they'll go, oh, I had a holiday in that when, I, you know, my grandma, we had the best holidays, and oh, Nana, and um, so for adults and even older people, it, men, you know, the old men come and they, they patter on the side <laughs> and they say, oh, yeah, yeah, that's that's been done well because we have had to repaint her. So she, you know, the paint, originally was the exterior paint yeah, yeah. was acrylic and wearing off completely chalky 
Um, so we had one of my sons has a friend um, and he does up old hot rods. So Mark was very kind and came over and gave us his skills and his compression machine and um, he helped us paint it. So now it's got, you know, the automotive paint on the outside and it's not shifting. <laughs> <laughs> great job. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, great. Um, and you got a party today? Is that yeah, right? Yeah, this afternoon's an 18th. So they won't fit in the caravan. They'll probably stick to the shop, which is another good reason we've now got this professional space because um, now we can open up the opportunity to share, you know, share and enjoy a bit of Mabel with grown-ups. Yeah. So they'll come out here and stand in the garden for a while, but yeah. 12, 18-year-olds aren't going to fit in this caravan. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we are in the back of the shop, as you, you were mm. saying. Um, how did Mabel get here? Okay. So that's the catalyst for Mabel coming here is, um, is really someone else's story. And so almost two years ago, um, my friend Jack um, was had started up a craft group. So we were a bunch of local school mums and we got together regularly over lunch and our handmade craft projects. But we already knew that it was more than just that. There was great connection going on amongst the group and amazing talent. So every second Wednesday we would gather, usually at Jack's house because she had the biggest space and made the best lunches. And we developed this lovely ritual. Sometimes women even just dropped in for 30 minutes in an otherwise busy day. They'd come and chat and then go. Um, and Jack's husband, Pat, he often, he worked from home sometimes, so he'd often, you know, jump into the kitchen and um, join in the banter and eat some of the, you know, plates, because ladies do bring nice plates of food, so he'd, he'd enjoy that and then go back and do his work. But one, craft Wednesday morning in September two years ago I received a text message from one of the mums to say we weren't gathering that day at Jack's place due to what had happened that morning and I was instantly alarmed but at the same time clueless to what had happened so I rang up the caller to ask what was going on and it was devastating news Jack's husband Pat had suddenly and unexpectedly passed away in the early hours of that morning so we were all completely shocked and we did still gather together that day but without Jack and without our craft over a cup of tea at one of the other mum's houses. Actually Cheryl who's looking after the shop this morning. Yeah. Um, we decided that it was still important to gather fortnightly over our like-minded interest of craft. We changed the location for our meetups, kind of closed the openness that we'd had of it, you know, didn't let new people in and just after a while Jack joined us again when she felt like she was up to it. Because by then we really had realized that there was great healing in the creativity and the making. Was, there was therapy in there that it was more than just making. The process of it was deep and there was great connection in the gathering. So that was September. By December, we were sort of sitting together in someone else's house doing our craft and having a bit of a Christmas lunchy breakup because it was our last one for the year. Um, and a shop down the road from my house had come up for sale and I said, wouldn't it be great if we could open a shop and I could take Mabel the caravan behind the shop and run birthday parties 
and then during the week we'd be open and you know you could sell your craft and we could all share the rent and it would be it would it would totally work wouldn't it <laughs> so um that was just an idea let it brew kept sitting there until it was you know undeniably stronger yeah and eventually by about march jack pulled me aside and said stop talking about it and do it <laughs> yeah. do it she said and don't give me a lecture about the grieving widow rule of 12 months break i'm going to help you find the shop and if we find one and it's you know we can write a business plan and see if it's going to work um i will mind the shop for you because i'm a part-time teacher so obviously had to stay with that um i'll mind the shop for you during the week and do some admin and that kind of let my husband know that I wasn't in this alone. So yeah, Jack was the catalyst for this becoming a reality. And I'm still working as a part-time teacher and mum to three boys. Jack's got four children of her own who were at the time were between the ages of eight to 16. But she helps out at the shop a couple of days during the week and I continue to run the birthday parties and craft events for children. And, and now we have the space to cater for the grown-ups who want to come too. So the shop is a social enterprise and it's a community of local and independent um, artists, designers and craftspeople. So when people buy a handmade item at our little caravan, they're directly supporting the people who sell the things on the shelves. And we've found a quiet street, so the rent is very reasonable. Um, and so sharing it means you know you're paying as little as $30 a month and there's no commission so we just know what's coming in and that covers the rent and whatever we sell goes back to the maker yeah. mm. so the next step which is exciting is that we've found somebody who wants to start a cafe um, and they will sublet the very front part of our shop and turn it into a small cafe and that's their small business that they want to run and it's not going to cost them the setup costs of mm. you know a brand new shop because we're already paying insurance we're already fitted out the shop we've already got tables we've already got crockery yeah they really just need to bring a coffee machine and their skills <laughs> good coffee is very important so <laughs> we've got that covered yeah and um and we'll see what this turns into yeah so how many it's a great story, by mm. the way, and it's um, the special origins for my little caravan and yeah. where Mabel's sitting yeah. right now. Yeah. Um, I mean, what What was... Can you talk a little bit about Jack's process of and what, what that's actually been for her? Like, has it, has it enabled her to, to move through some emotion and... Um, and yeah, well, feel some emotion as I well. guess yeah. that that's a, a question she would have to answer but we got to Christmas last year so the shop had been open six months and she made the comment that it had been a a wonderful distraction um, but she created something beautiful when she opened this shop and everybody that walks in gets that they know that this place it's it's I don't know if it's a combination of the creativity, the hospitality, um, and but there's connection. So you walk in and it's more than just a shop. 
difficult to explain. Probably have to feel it. You have to. I definitely felt something when I yeah, walked in. Yeah, and well. you're a man because yeah. we <laughs> don't get too many men walking into yeah, our right. shop. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you you combine that with sitting down and actually making something, yeah. which is what we do. We give you the materials. You know, we'll run a affordable. So our classes are, you know, they're not one hundred and twenty dollars for an afternoon because we don't need that sort of money at this shop. Yeah. Um, they're, you know, maybe $45 for two hours, including afternoon tea, and you walk away and you've learned how to make a soy wax candle, or you've made polymer clay bead necklaces, or um, people are going to start, I think somebody wants to start teaching henna art. That's, that's something, um, a henna artist came in this morning and wanted to do that. So we provide the space and then help you get the class or else we run the classes ourselves. But it's it's become a real community shop mm. um, in a way that's just very, very special. So Jack um, knows that we couldn't have done it. I couldn't have done this without her. And um, we have a whole lot of typewriters in the shop, vintage typewriters, okay? Yeah. so. She is responsible for that collection, <laughs> some of which are for sale. Um, but that's because she wanted to write after Pat died. So she bought one typewriter because she decided she'd like to write on an old typewriter or type. Um, and then she saw one that she liked better, so she bought that. And then when we were opening the shop, and we had a lot of space because, you know, we were pretty new, and so we didn't have any stock. We needed to make it look a little bit more full. Yeah. She said, oh, I've got some typewriters. I said, oh, okay, how many? Oh, 16. <laughs> anyway, so we filled the shop up with typewriters, which still get some attention. Um, and slowly she's been able to take those home because more and more stallholders have joined us. Yeah. And we'll always squish up and find room for more stallholders. Yeah. And they come and they go if it works out for them. So, yeah, I think that she would say that it's been... Um, hasn't taken away the grief but it's been a distraction for her in it and she oh she has seen that it's been a really beautiful thing that's been made there's yeah. so much purpose in it yeah um so yeah that's what i think she has been able to do so all the items for sale are made by local people yeah is that right yeah yeah well and how many different people are involved now? Like how many? Um, I think currently we've got 43 stall holders. So yeah. it's a real like treasure box. You have to <laughs> allow an hour or so to look at everything. And it works because when I have a birthday party, 12 mums of the birthday party children will sit around a table and drink coffee and connect, which is a big part of the shop. Connection is very important to me. Um, and shop mm. and I run the birthday party which yeah. I love to do every time without fail all the birthday parties I love yeah. I am still not sick of them <laughs> I don't know why I think it must be because they're so fun and girly and I've got the three boys at home the balance yeah. I don't know it's, I mean it's, it's why I'm willing to give up my Saturdays and Sundays sometimes to run parties Yeah, because it's fun yeah. <laughs> I can imagine that I've got two little boys of my own, and yep. uh, yeah, I, sometimes I need a break from that as well. <laughs> <laughs> I want to start doing something with my hands and making something. Um, what sort of, like, 
I haven't had a good look inside the shop mm. yet, but what sort of things? You talked about wax candles and um, resin. Yeah, well, I polymer clay. So polymer we do clay. we do craft. It, I guess our philosophy would be that it's about the making. So pottery is awesome. Quilting is awesome. Fantastic. Knitting, all great. But we want to be able to finish it off and take it home that day because life is busy. Yeah. And so it's kind of... The theory is we provide you with this um, night out with friends that wouldn't cost you much more than going to see a movie and dinner, mm. or about the same actually, um, and you come out for a couple of hours and uh, go home with knowing how to make polymer clay beads, or um, or we had, we've actually started this class that's really taking off on a... Wednesday morning, so during the week when mums have dropped the kids off at school, I've got this group that's just growing really organically um, and for the price of a swimming lesson, you know, sort of 15 or $20, which we're happy to spend on our children's swimming lesson, but we don't often spend on ourselves, we've called it Create for Grown Ups. So every week we make something. So the first week I started with polymer clay because it's what I do. So I just, right, I'll, I'll make up each week as it goes along, I thought. Mm. So I made polymer clay beads with the two girls that came or mothers two mothers that came and the next week they brought a friend and one of the ladies had said oh I've got I keep bees so I'll make um, beeswax candles next week so we said great so we all gave her our $15 and she got beeswax sheets and showed us how to roll beeswax candles and talked to us all about bees so that was terrific and then the new lady who came that week said oh I know how to crochet I could teach you how to crochet a rose when you crochet rows, you learn five crochet stitches that mean you can go and crochet anything. So the next week, we crocheted a rose, which meant we finished it, and now we know how to crochet. And then the next week, we did we learned how to cut up a t-shirt to make t-shirt yarn, and then we learned it together to make little t-shirt yarn bowls. Wow. Mm, so that's all we've done so far yeah. <laughs> next week's back to me yeah but i loved that i wasn't running the classes every week yeah because i'm running out of ideas i mean i can look on pinterest but that's what it's about it's about other people oh i can i've got bees i'll teach you how to make beeswax candles that's awesome yeah it's like it's fascinating the like you know you're saying you, you you're not certainly not getting sick of the parties in fact you love them and you're not sure why but like those things that you seem to be bringing together are people connecting and also people making things with their hands and that getting something done in that period of time is yeah. so satisfying as yes, well like that's isn't it? it's really cool yeah. yeah and that's why i think i came up with the um you know the little we make these little glass tile pendants in the birthday parties and that actually came from a mother's group I was involved in when I had preschool children. So it was it was called MOPS and MOPS stands for Mothers of Preschoolers and you get together and some wonderful people, older ladies, look after your little children while for an hour and a half you meet together as mothers and part of that, you, you listen to a guest speaker, um, you have something to, lovely to eat for morning tea that somebody else has made. Like, you know, you're, you're actually drinking a cup of tea while it's hot, that sort of thing. It's, it's a wonderful, <laughs> wonderful gift when you're a busy mother to have that. And sometimes you would make a quick craft. And before long, I found that I was the person organising those quick crafts because, you know, you always need somebody to do that. So I was, oh, I'll do that. 
So I had to develop quick crafts that we would finish in 10 minutes or maybe 15. <laughs> so that's when the washi tape came out, which is like masking tape with, you know, pretty patterns on it. And you put them on wooden pegs and then you've got a fridge magnet. So it, it was basic, but I was, my aim was to um, come up with stuff that was actually nice. I wanted to put it on my fridge, not feathers and, you know, concertina fans. Yeah. Um, so who knew that that was actually the sort of crafts I would then bring back to the caravan parties. Yeah. Yeah, so that was... That was, the, that that was, was it. Part that of the was the groundwork, yeah. yeah. I just had that memory then. But that's definitely... Yeah. What about going back even further? So when you were a kid, was was there a natural... Uh, were you drawn towards tinkering and making things with your hands like that? Yeah, I was. Um, and I had a pretty crafty mum. But I read a book... Oh, is it called The Happiness Project? Julian. There is a book called that. Yeah. I haven't read it. Yeah, 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 there is. Well, in that, she said, around the age of 10, whatever it is you liked doing when you were 10 is probably deep down what you're going to like doing like as an adult. That's what you're going to find makes you happy. That's your, maybe becomes your hobby. Yeah. And so I actually tested that theory. I mean, because that's definitely what I'll, because the, the theory being that when you're 10, you're old enough to be skilled enough at something, so you're good at it, but you're young enough to not have the limitations of time and money and busyness to worry about, or responsibilities even, so you're just kind of free hmm. to, in, to do what you like. And it might be that you like riding dirt bikes. Well, that's probably the middle-aged 40-year-old man who'll go and buy himself a motorbike, you know, because yeah. actually he's always liked it. So, yeah, craft was what I was doing when I was 10. Yeah. And you found your way back to it. Yeah. yeah. Yep. How do you... So I'm interested in a little bit about the connection side mm -hmm. of what you're noticing as well, and actually also the making side too, and what if you've noticed anything or what people are saying about what that's brought to their lives... You know, the people that are putting stuff on the shelves and the people that you're bringing to those, you know, those classes as well. Like, what are you noticing about them? Um, I don't want this to sound like it's always been, it's always about death, but um, I could tell you stories about all of the people that have stuff on the shelves. Um, one of them who's not with us at the moment because her mother has just passed away from cancer, she would come in and restock her shelf and um, just talk about how she feels better after she's left, you know, she, you know she's coming to do a mundane task, um, packing, rearranging a shelf or whatever, not expecting to walk away feeling recharged and connected because she's talked to all these people that have been in the shop. But it's, it's like we cut beyond the surface. I mean, I'm not a qualified counsellor, so I sometimes, I do just listen because it's all I'm qualified to do, mm. but both the stall holders who come in to put things on their shelves and spend some time talking and the customers who come in to do a class or to come in to buy stuff end up sharing things and I'm sure 
I mean, I guess even my very professional job. So I teach religious education. It's about as popular as teaching sex education in this current time. <laughs> so when people say, well, what is it that you teach? And they assume that I'm an art teacher. I answer. And then immediately they either tell me what they think about what it is I teach or they tell me what they believe. Uh, you know, it, it just means all of a sudden we're not talking about the weather. Mm. Now, I'm okay with that. Um, and I'm never going to tell you what you should and shouldn't be doing you know I'm not that sort of person so maybe that's why it works and maybe that's why people do share but then that's what makes people connect mm. when we talk about what makes us vulnerable yeah I think you're right I mean it's funny even before we started recording you started asking me about you know why I'm doing this and my story and I felt very comfortable sharing a whole lot of That's stuff it. with Hello. you. Are you Adam? <laughs> yes, I'm Adam. Right, so tell me this. <laughs> <laughs> so perhaps, um, yeah, that's that's a bit about what you bring to the space and um, I think listening, like it's, it's very, it's not that often that we just, that someone dedicates time to listen intently to us and listening Maybe that's enough a lot of the time. Maybe it is know? enough. It's enough sometimes when I'm telling my husband something and he tries to help. No, no, just listen. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe it is enough. And, yeah, I think it is. And, um, I mean, yeah, I'll, I, wasn't, I wasn't feeling that energised on my way here. Like, I've had a really big week and I was feeling tired. But after just sharing... And talking with you, like I feel like I felt like I had a lot of energy, like oh, wow. which is you know maybe that I, I felt I, I share that because I think you were sort of touching on that with people coming into the space mm. as well and putting their stuff up there and maybe it's you know it's it's the part of the atmosphere what you've created. Yeah, maybe. So there's a lot of creativity in that shop. So yeah. people say, "Oh, I'm so inspired." I just look at all these, you know, my store makers. They're the the worst customers because they come in and go what a great idea I'll make that <laughs> they don't buy it <laughs> but it's a very creative place in there and not in an arty difficult to interpret kind of way we're a bit more practical in there you can actually use the stuff that we're making yeah uh, or wear it a lot of jewelry um, and yeah. like it as well like yeah. It's, yeah yeah and a lot of it's repurposed um, you know, we don't, I had, I think the way I consider it a social enterprise is that we don't have the money to give away to a cause. There's no profits going to an orphanage anywhere. There's no profits, full stop yet. <laughs> but, but what, so I had a phone call a couple of weeks ago, two in the same week, one from, they're both from big organisations asking what my little caravan could give to their cause. I said, oh, my little caravan can't give anything to your cause. And I felt bad when I got off the phone because that's what I do. I feel bad when I can't give or when I've said no. Um, but in that same week, we held an event that we didn't charge any money for um, to raise awareness um, and give somebody the opportunity to talk to a group of people about uh, trafficking in Thailand, human trafficking in Thailand. So these girls have drawn um, a colouring in book which is completely what we're about colouring in and 
craft and all the rest of it. So when you buy this colouring in book, um, you're supporting that, you know, organisation. Mm. And so we could do that. So I can't give you actual money, but we can let your colouring book sit here for free and we can give you space in our beautiful place with our customers to talk about your cause and raise awareness. We yeah. can do that. Yeah. And that's huge for people. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, do you want to... I mean, it's obviously you're on a journey. I think you've been here... It's about 18 months? So it's 12 months. We got the keys July last year. Okay. Yeah. So we've got another year before we decide whether we continue on. Yeah. So another year really to make it work. Our biggest challenge is our location. We're down a side street with no foot traffic. So word of mouth, which is working. Oh, social media, of course, on Instagram and Facebook. Hmm. Um, so it's just, it's slowly growing. But you know what? I think it's growing at a pace that I can actually manage. Yeah. Because if it had grown big... Um, I wouldn't have been able to look after the masses. This way, people feel looked after when they come in. Mm. And we're a small space as well. Yeah. And we're in, we, let's talk about a little bit exactly where we are mm -hmm. so people can find us. Yeah, you've got to find us. To. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. So this is Notting Hill? This is Notting Hill. So yeah. we're behind Monash University in Clayton. Um, just off Blackburn Road on the freeway or just off Springvale Road on the freeway near Brandon Park Shopping Centre. Yeah. Yep, in a street called Westerfield Drive. So 39 Westerfield Drive. We're next to the Notting Hill Neighbourhood House. So um, collaborating with them is becoming something that we can do because we're socially minded. We're a community. It's not just a small business. The small business is kind of separate. My Little Caravan and Mabel they're kind of the face and the brand now but not so much the focus but I do still run birthday parties for children yeah mm -hmm. um, do you want to talk about like it's it's been I guess starting a business is a big deal and you talked about how you know Jack just said just go and do it I'm sick of you talking <laughs> about it just go and do it did you did you do a lot of planning or uh, yeah I, I, I had to I had to to deliver the the, um, the business plan to my husband before he would let let it go ahead. So there was strategy and sensible, but still I was very idealistic. It has been the biggest personal development journey of my life. Um, running a business when you've only ever worked for an organisation before that pays you an inc a wage, completely different. Completely different. Yeah. So, I listen to a lot of podcasts. Um, I reminded myself the other week that, you know, I'm if if I counted the beginning of my little caravan as the start of my uni degree equivalent of a business course, then I'm still only two and a half years in, <laughs> just up to the case study and thesis, you know. So, I'm learning about marketing and I'm learning about. Uh, marketing would be our, the biggest thing I, I need to work on yeah. still because that's what gets customers in the door. Once they're in the door, they love it. Put their name down on the email list, tell their friends, but helping them find us. Is, yeah, I can, yeah, I get that as well. And I, I, I get that whole making through doing, or sorry, learning through doing and yeah. making something 
yeah. and um, all the different things you have to draw upon to start a business and all, all the it's a bit of a spiritual journey sometimes as well like you're really questioning the meaning and why you're why, doing the it why everybody's why. asking what the why of your business is yes well our um, our mission statement I suppose or our vision um, is to engender community and help children and adults develop the skill of quiet contentment when crafting alone and connection with other people when crafting in company cool yeah had to read that out <laughs> I couldn't I couldn't remember it off the top of my head but I remember when I was putting it together that that's what it is it's about community connection creativity hospitality that's our winning package yeah and I like that when doing it in isolation about yes contentment is that what you said there? yes that, yeah so when I um you know uh, somebody sometimes I just want to knit I don't want to knit anything in particular but that knitting just the sitting down and the knitting and the the method the methodological you know chick, 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 knit turn around chick, 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 knit turn around chick, 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 calms me down mm. it's what coloring in is yeah and then there's the night that I was coloring in you know my new coloring in book that I bought from the shop there's a an elephant because it's based in Thailand so the elephant is there and it's full of patterns that you color in my 14 year old son is sitting next to me coloring in my 14 year old son who you know doesn't always share what he's thinking he's sharing what he's thinking as he's coloring in my elephant so it's you know that kind of alongside yeah. doing something that, that is cool yeah it brings out all sorts of things yeah right. yeah it's um yeah it's really cool i think and especially it's a, such a counterpoint to i guess a way the trend of how a lot of a lot of us are spending our time or what we're spending it doing like on screens or mm. for example um i think it, it's so necessary for us like it's what we've always done mm -hmm. as, you know as humans and i think it's important to retain that and encourage it and nurture it like you're doing yes. yeah those i just wanted to before i forget those podcasts that you listen to it might be interesting to share those as well like what have been really useful podcasts as you uh the businessy ones is that what you mean yeah i guess so. as you've started this business and you know part of your learning i suppose what what have you really learned a lot from right Ooh, i'm trying to think of my little pod list playlist um because i i jump around a bit i mean i like i discovered subtle disruptors when i was beginning podcast listening and that was when I was looking uh, I sort of googled names that I well, googled searched names that I knew yeah. and Nicole Avery popped up and she oh, popped yeah. up having spoken to you and I thought right I'll listen to that one because she'll remind me how to juggle family <laughs> business job everything <laughs> yeah. so that was good I also listened to the slow home podcast oh yeah yeah with yeah. Brooke McCallery uh, create and thrive so that's for the makers okay yeah and sh Jess Van Den uh, she's based in Queensland so she's I like I like to listen to Australian podcasts because I think they get us hmm. um, and then there's just a, you know like I've got a few sort of probably more female business that I would listen to because I think that there's 
my business is a very creative heart-centered business mm. so that's very it's very female dominated and what I found when I first was looking for help with business I went along to the you know the Monash uh, council run how to write a business plan night for $20 and that was brilliant but the business plan um, template was so one size fits all mm. and um, I guess my thing, my business is so heart-centred that it doesn't quite fit the business strategy that small male, not that males don't have heart, <laughs> but do you know what I mean? It's more masculine. So I just think there's a, there's a masculine dynamic and there's a feminine dynamic. Sure. And the feminine dynamic would be the connection and the relationship. So when I'm writing on Facebook posts, people are liking it and trusting me and then they come to visit the shop mm. um, if I just had a blog and a web page and if I just built the shop and said right now come that's not going to work for me yeah so my business podcasts have been mostly female centered around female business yeah mm. that's good I think that's really good to share thanks for that We've got a couple of questions for you as we start to wrap up. Mm -hmm. Is there anything else you wanted to share about anything um, that we might have missed? No, no, just that I was I was really I was really inspired too by the um the Jared Biffra. Briffa, yeah. Briffra, Briffa. Uh, when he was talking about the Kinfolk Cafe and about how they spend their money being as important as the mm. profits that they make. Um, so that that was how I remembered that we'd been able to offer the space to um, the foundation about the human trafficking, you know, that, and that that was actually just as valuable as giving money to a cause. So, yeah, that really helped me see the benefit in that. Yeah, it's mm. such a good point, isn't it? And um, because that the profits might be 20% or 30% or 5% or whatever it is that the business of the revenue, percentage of the revenue, but then mm. there's that 80% that, is spent on everyday stuff and that could yep. be spent on really harmful things for our communities or our planets or it could be spent you know nurturing similarly minded businesses yes. as well yeah so two questions for you as we wrap up the first is about and I guess you know you're very enmeshed in what you're doing here and it's amazing what you're creating are there things that you think about outside of this that are completely different, like on a completely different tangent about being a, you know, disrupting or areas that you'd like to disrupt or things you'd like to, or a movement you'd like to be part of one day. Are there things that you daydream about being part of one day? Completely separate to this. Hmm. Well, <clears throat> my husband's been a part of a startup business for four years, or maybe even longer, that hasn't, um, hasn't actually started yet and I believe in it so much um, and that is renewable energy so he is an engineer and he's a part of he and, he and his boss are trying to start up um, a plant that would turn landfill waste into electricity yeah I just think it's wonderful um, and I I know they've had a lot of struggles with investors and and the biggest problem apparently is that Australia's land mass is so big that we don't care enough about um, 
the, well, this because it's going to cost money, of course, to start the plant, but it's going to do such good things for our world. And I can't. Um, I'm so frustrated whenever it, you know they hit another block, um, because in other countries, like Japan, um, and I'm trying to think of another country, but they're, they're almost having to buy in other people's waste because the production of this plant has worked so well really? and we have electricity from rubbish yeah. yeah I just think that's amazing yeah yeah so I would like to see that work yeah it sounds cool yeah it does yeah. sound cool yeah why aren't we making it happen <laughs> yeah the last question is about yourself and about a so as you mentioned the podcast is called subtle disruptors and it's I guess it's about the small changes or the small impacts that we can have and the types of impacts that are accessible to everybody. We can all be part of creating um, something positive in the world, but what's something small or a subtle change that you've made in your own life that's been a really important thing for you in your own life or has got you through difficult periods or has enabled you, you know, if you wanted to bring it down to the past couple of years, you know, doing uh, the caravan in the shop? Like, is there a small change that would be interesting for other people to hear about as well? I guess I'd probably say collaboration. So I I like to help, um, but there has been a couple of, not, not a couple, more than a couple of times in the last two years when I have been helped back. And it's not because I've had to be, it's my turn to be helped, but I've been helped and there's, nothing I can give you that will actually like I'm just thinking about the the very generous man who helped me paint the outside of this caravan yeah. you know it was so outside my skill set yeah I can't do anything back for him I you know what do I buy to say thank you nothing I just have to say thank you uh Jack I couldn't have started this shop without Jack I can't pay her back there's you know, like sometimes people said, oh, what's in it for Jack? No, there's nothing in it for Jack. She's just doing it. And um, I remember when we very first opened, I came across a shop called The Fair Trader in East Ringwood. And it's a shop that sells not handmade, well, they are handmade things, but things that have been built by social enterprise groups in other countries. And I said to the lady in the shop, love this shop, you know, I'm, how long have you been open? And I think it was six weeks. And she said to me, because I told her about my shop about to open, and she said to me, we need more shops. You know, it wasn't this, oh, what are you doing? What are you looking at? Don't get ideas from my shop because I'm in competition with you. It was, we need more shops like us around. Yeah. And so collaboration. Yeah. We can't do it by ourselves. No. And there's great connection when people help you because they feel like they've contributed. And they have. Yeah, I, I think that's so special as well, and and just that you're willing to talk about that idea too, rather than keep it to yourself. I think there's a lot of power in. I think there's a temptation sometimes to keep a good idea and not share it because it's my idea and I don't want anyone to steal it. But when ideas are shared like that, I think they have more possibility of coming into being mm. too. Yeah. Thanks a lot for talking with us today, Christina. It's been awesome. Thank you for um, letting me sit in Mabel. And also, I guess we should say thanks to Jack as well for yeah. allowing her part in the story to be shared. Yeah. Hey. 
Thanks for listening to this episode of Subtle Disruptors. I hope you got something out of it. I'd love to hear your thoughts on the show, including any suggestions you have for guests. You can get me on email through adam at subtledisruptors.com. And if you enjoyed listening and would like to be part of getting the word out about the Subtle Disruptors of Melbourne, a great way to do this is through jumping into iTunes and rating and reviewing this podcast. I'm Adam Murray, and I look forward to hearing about your own subtle disruption. Bye for now.